Welcome to the Buran and Associates podcast, Insurance Banter, where in each episode, you'll experience insightful discussions about important topics you can implement in your business to become a more effective insurance professional. Good morning, Chris. Looks like it's just you and I today. It is, Paul. Kind of fun. We'll just, we're just going to have, a, I think we have a really good topic that is just best discussed between you and me. So, yeah, it is big news, but a milestone for the industry that's kind of uh, flying under the radar a bit. It is. We, uh, the industry, not we, not the colloquial royal we, but the industry overall achieved $1 trillion of surplus as of 1231-21. First time in history, and that's specific to the United States. Wow. I mean, a trillion dollars is a lot of money, too. You think about how much a trillion is to put it in in some kind of perspective. You could go back to uh, 1 AD and spend a million dollars a day, and you wouldn't have spent a trillion dollars yet in 2022. <laughs> that's how, I mean, that's how much a trillion dollars is, right? You think about spending a yeah. million dollars a day for over 2,000 years, and you haven't hit a trillion yet. It is, it is really unreal. When I, when I saw the number, I actually went back and thought, I wonder if they got the, you know how, you know how um, when people present numbers, they'll have the number of zeros up above. So they don't have to print out all the zeros in every single cell. Yes. Right. So I went back and thought, did they get the right number of zeros up there? Correct. Is it really a trillion dollars? It's like, that can't be. And you know, what's really amazing about it is that the ending policyholder surplus increased by more than $100 billion last year alone. Wow. Wow. And for- yeah, that's what it's like. That can't be true. There's no way. Everybody's crying about their losses and lack of profits and all the carriers are moaning and groaning and all this and all that and looking at it going, yeah, but we have $100 billion more surplus. Yeah, it's hard if you're losing money to generate surplus. It's really hard. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess for everybody that's that's listening, um, some folks maybe hear the term surplus, but especially for the agency side, what you know, what is surplus when we look at it? What does it really mean for for agents and companies? Yeah, so... The official definition of a policyholder surplus, it's the difference between an insurer's admitted assets and their liabilities. So this is, this is important because the more surplus a carrier has, all else being equal and assuming the quality of the surplus is the same, the stronger the carrier. And so it's great when carriers have a lot of of surplus, they can withstand big events. They can exp- they can um, be solid in the event of a big um, hurricane or a big fire or you know a financial meltdown. And so it means that the industry, with that much surplus, is overall really s- strong and can withstand a lot of a, a lot of catastrophes. Honestly, a billion dollar catastrophe gives some more context to it. A billion dollar catastrophe on a trillion dollars of surplus is a rounding error. Yes. It doesn't wow. really matter. 
So when they have it, they can withstand those types of events. Yeah. Um, what else uh, does, does there have to be an event or what, what should people expect to see for a company that's sitting on a lot of surplus compared to someone that doesn't have any or you know, has very little? Yeah, has very little. You know, you used a term a while ago um, that really is important. And that is that there's, there's a decoupling of what should happen or used to happen and what is happening today. So historically, the carriers that had really high surplus levels when, a, when they hit a hard market, they would be the go-to carrier because they had the money to grow their book. They had the money, the surplus for agents to park new business with. They could continue to write business all the way through a hard market. And the carriers that lack surplus were trying to get off business every which way from Sunday. They had capacity issues. They're like, oh my gosh, no, I can't write any more business. Or they would actually put um, ration the amount of new business they would write. I remember back in the day that the, um, the, the this one carrier gave every agent the ration of two homeowner policies a month. Picked your best two options, and that was it. Because they were kind of out of surplus. So um, surplus is measured relative to premiums, amongst other things. AM Best does a phenomenally good job, but it's kind of complicated too, explaining uh, policyholder surplus and how they quantify it and how they judge the quality of the surplus. So if anybody wants a lot of information, I really recommend the AM Best website. But in general, um, the, the higher quality surplus, the more surplus the carrier has, the more business they can write and they can grow and agents can grow with them. When a carrier has very little surplus, you'll see that things get a little harder, typically. Now, the decoupling, that isn't always working anymore. Um, and I can't sit here and tell you exactly why it's no longer quite working. There are carriers that have gobs of surplus that are telling agents, wow, I'm not, we, we can't really write that. We, we don't quite have the capacity. And it makes me wonder if there's something missing in their financials when they say things like that. And then you have carriers like one I saw earlier this week, 100% of their surplus is a loan. 100%. There's, they don't have a dollar that's not a loan. And they're telling their agents they're open for business to write whatever that can be brought. No restrictions at all. So there's a decoupling from the old world. And I'm not sure, Paul, that I don't, I don't know what to always make of that. Yeah. It, it, and it's interesting to see. I know we do a review of, of carriers um, each year and, and look at what their financials look like to try to anticipate, you know, carrier behavior in some ways, make sure that our, we've got the right mix with the different carriers so that we're not cut, caught unaware if uh, something bad happens. Um, you have to move a bunch of business and things. But to your point about the carriers that seem to be well positioned to write business, we've found some hesitancy, maybe not from, you know, marketing reps, because I haven't had anybody really come into the agency or, or call on us and say, you know, 
two two homeowners or anything like that these days. It seems like everybody wants. Oh yeah, send us a great. We need a great flow. All your business, but you feel it in the fact that you can't get anything placed with them, or the quotes that you do get are just at egregious pricing levels compared to where it currently is, or even other other carriers. Um, so that's on that on one side, and then on the other, even the carriers like you were saying that are in really precarious shape in a lot of ways, or all their surpluses, just in in loans. Um, you know, they'll still be open for business, and and maybe you can place it with them. It seems like some of those you can, but others, the the messaging is so bad. Where we want business, we want business, we want business, but on terms that mean that we'll never really actually write that business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing that and hearing that from uh, agents all over the United States and Canada too. Um, very, cons- very consistent with what you're saying. Absolutely. So, I mean, thoughts around it, do we, some, what, what would cause this situation to change? Are we just in this uh, kind of morass for a while? It's, you know, it's, it's bizarre because of the decoupling that um, just has me a little bit puzzled. A trillion dollars is a whole lot of money with which to grow a business. Um, one of the reasons that I think we have a muddled message, muddled messaging out there is that typically insurance companies, only the very top people really have a great appreciation for what the surplus situation is within that company. And at the carrier level, the carriers have to tell their people in the field, go write business, tell everybody how great we are, all of this and all that. But then they have all these restrictions. It's one of the reasons why sometimes underwriting and marketing people have completely different messages for their agents. And when you have these situations, it, it creates a lot of frustration at, uh, amongst agencies. Because on the one hand, they're being told to write all this business with the company, but the company's saying we really can't do it. And that's because many times the, the people at the top know that the surplus isn't there or it's not of adequate quality, but they can't say that out loud. They've got to keep it close to the vest and just make it mud, the messaging and reality mud, muddled for everybody in the field. Um, that is that happens a lot. I see that all the time. Um, and to what's going to change that in those situations is the agents, the carrier sells their business, sells the company, um, or they somehow or another turn the ship around. And that's pretty rare, actually, in the insurance carrier world that they can turn a ship around. Insurance company ships tend to continue to sail in mostly the same direction. Once it's once a course is set, they don't turn too well. Yeah, unless you see a complete, maybe they don't sell, but if they're going to change, you need to almost see a complete cultural shift, which, like you say, is so rare. I can think of one example now with a carrier that was in pretty rough shape that that did a complete 180 and is just a fantastic carrier today. Um, one of the, really the, the best in my mind, and they kind of were on death's doorstep, so to speak before that. Yeah. 
but in all my time in the industry and all the carriers I'm aware of, I can think of one example. <laughs> yeah, there's, it, I can probably count the number on one hand that made it. And, you know, when you have that much money, that ship's going to continue to sail in the same direction based on its own momentum for a long time. There's nothing in these situations that it's going to be a demise tomorrow. Um, for certain carriers, though, that are lacking surplus, um, and by lacking, I mean lacking at the levels of their competitors, they have an issue because in today's world, if you don't have adequate profit margins, you're not going to continue to build that surplus. And one of the true isms of insurance company financials is that sooner or later, for an insurance company to legitimately grow, they have to generate enough surplus or enough profit to create enough surplus because you have to have the surplus with to support the growth. And it may take five years or seven years or 10 years for that reality to set in, but sooner or later, it does set in for insurance companies. So with surplus, this is... As we're having this conversation, I'm thinking about some of the conversations we've had or the struggles that we see, especially in the property market. It seems like the carriers all come in with, with different messaging about how they want to grow. And we do a lot of property and you run into cap models and almost all of there's, there's only a couple in the industry and I, and the reinsurers are using those. And so the carrier themselves saying, hey, we can't write this because you know, the reinsurer uses this model. Just your thoughts on, on surplus versus the, the carriers that most agencies would work with compared to the reinsurers those carriers are, are uh, dealing with. Is there anything there that you think is interesting? I do. Um, so... A lot of times that comment is 100% accurate, no choice about it, that the carrier is limited because of what the reinsurer is, or is saying or doing. But the other side of that coin is, is, that, is that your only reinsurance option? Is that the only option that you have for the amount of reinsurance you need to purchase? Some carriers purchase almost zero reinsurance. They, they have almost literally none and um, they just have really strong surplus and they, they're like, we'll reinsure ourselves. We're so strong. We don't need it. That's a competitive advantage because your expense ratio then decreases at the carrier level. Um, if a carrier is strapped and their surplus is being improved upon by the a large surplus, a large reinsurance purchase, they're going to be pretty hamstrung as to what their flexibility is on property or whatever other line it is. So to answer your question, it varies a lot carrier by carrier. So is it a choice or is it that they don't have any other choice to abide by whatever the reinsurer is saying? Um, I find personally that in some cases, blaming it on the reinsurer is a shortcut to not thinking. There's a lot of those shortcuts out there, unfortunately, it seems like. 
<laughs> it's one of the reasons, though, um, for agents out there listening to this. I think this is one of the really driving reasons why um, we see an increase in alternative risk transfer. Because eight really smart agents that really understand the industry and understand insurance at a deep level understand that there's there's um, opportunity here to go the alternative risk transfer market, that the surplus does exist, that you can do it through this other marketplace cheaper and often easier. And you don't have to deal with the frustration that you've expressed there with the, some of the carriers. Just do it on your own. And there's more vehicles available for alternative risk transfer today than there's ever been. And it just is growing and the uh, creativity in a good way that's being um, people are are using to identify new options it's it's pretty amazing it's pretty neat and along the same lines that's a important point i think is that reinsurers and their primary insurers aren't necessarily seeing face to face right now on a lot of things which is another factor here the uh, <clears throat> reinsurers are usually the primary movers behind the alternative risk transfer. So the carriers feel that they are being disintermediated between the agents, brokers, and their reinsurers doing business directly together and leaving the primary insurer completely out of the picture. That saves the reinsurer money, um, helps the reinsurers generate more surplus. And the carriers have more surplus from a weird direction. They have less business to write. And the less business you have, if you hold surplus steady, the more surplus than you have. So extra surplus can also be a sign that the carrier has lost its competitive advantage and can't write enough business. Okay. So, I mean, this is, this is one of those topics I think we can just have you know, so many tentacles that go out in so many different directions, we can take uh, take forever talking about it. But really, we wanted to get that data point out there, just something that is a huge milestone for the industry yeah. that we've never seen before. Um, and because it's there, you'd think there'd be more focus on it and mm -hmm. that the world would look a little different than it does today because of it. But it's just this unique quandary. So if you had... Just a few final thoughts for an agency saying, listen, this is what's happened in the industry. Um, here's what I'd recommend you do to position yourself to, to take advantage of that, even if some of the fundamentals seem to have been decoupled a little bit. Yeah. The smart money, the real smart money out there sees the surpluses available, but maybe not available through traditional marketplaces. And that's they're building around that. That's one of the reasons you see in SureTech, you see the rise of a lot of brokerage, uh, MGA type businesses from nowhere. And there's a there's a big future of these the smart money taking advantage of the surplus, working with carriers that just sit on it or pretend that it doesn't actually exist, or maybe they're out of surplus, and they think everybody else is out of surplus. Uh, because they don't see the bigger picture. Um, 
from an agent perspective, I don't think that that's going to serve you very well whatsoever. You need to go from an agent's perspective, you need to go where the smart money is because that's what's growing in the industry. Okay. Well, thank you, Chris. I mean, I've, to, just to summarize that, right, is just continue to look at the uh, the distribution market out there. That your traditional aid uh, carriers that you'd normally just get a contract with, throw a plaque on the wall, have a guy come by or a lady come by every month with donuts isn't going to cut it anymore. Um, there's a lot of new stuff out there, a lot of different ways to access coverage for the carriers. But in order to do it, I think agents need to up their game a little bit in sophistication to understand who they're dealing with, what they're dealing with, and then evaluate on a pretty regular basis rather than just a slick piece of marketing material, a slap on the back and signing a contract. You need to be looking at where this business is placed because that's going to give you the opportunity to grow regardless of of what's being said. Very true, Paul. Very well said. And and I'm not advocating that you go up and get a thousand new carrier contracts. I'm advocating doing it, just keeping the contracts limited but smarter, and and going from there. And you'll you'll do really well that way. Okay. Well, anything else? Thank you, Chris. This has been uh, enlightening for sure. Well, I just thought this would be a good day for. Trillion dollars is a heck of a milestone. And um, I wanted to get that message out there to people. Trillion dollars. That's just unreal. I mean, a hundred billion dollar increase in one year. A hundred billion used to be the surplus. It's like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I can I can remember what was it uh a little, little over 10, maybe 12 years ago, 800 billion was a lot of money. And now yeah. a trillion here, a trillion there. <laughs> Pretty soon you're talking real money. Yeah, kind of like the government. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Chris. And thanks, everybody, for taking the time to listen. And we'll look forward to talking to you next time.